Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. For most women in business, the ever-looming biological clock can feel like an added weight on our shoulders. How will we ever continue to run our business? Will the wheels come off if we take a step back? These were questions that Haley Worley, the founder of betting brand The Sheet Society, also asked herself. But when she fell pregnant, right as her business was taking off, Haley used it as motivation to push herself even further. It turns out that the wheels didn't fall off, and after maternity leave, Haley came back to a full-blown small business. In fact, the Sheet Society became a multi-million dollar company in just four years. In today's episode, powered by Shopify, Haley shares how her maternity leave and her children give her more passion and drive for her business, why she got clear on risk tolerance and how she found the courage to get stuck in and give it a go. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials or if you're new here, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through business. Okay, without further ado, welcome Hayley. Hayley. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited too. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected, but I've heard and known about you and the Sheet Society for quite a while now. As I said to you before, you know, happy customer. Um, And also, you know, living in Melbourne, it's hard not to know about your brand. So I always knew I wanted to have you come on the show and I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah, so I'm the founder of the Sheet Society. Um, we launched around about 2017. Um, I've got a background in clothing production and design and I was working for a fast fashion retailer and I just fell completely out of love of clothes. And I really wanted to start my own business and I wasn't really sure what that would be. I knew that I really loved colours and I was really great with fabrics and textures and sourcing things from um, abroad. So I wanted to pull together sort of an idea that um, – allowed me to um yeah show you all my skills across those areas and I remember just thinking one day I'm gonna make bed sheets everyone loves bed sheets I feel like it's not been done well um and I kind of told everyone and they were like what the hell bed sheets um and from then it was just a bit of a mission to um really bring the brand to life and to really tell um the story of what makes our bed sheets so special and um what I'm really passionate about is how um a really good night's sleep can really make you tackle the day and you live your best life and um, I'm also really passionate about the way that colour makes you feel in the bedroom um, and using your bread to really express your own personal style so we sell everything as separates we encourage you to mix and match um, you know you don't buy a flat sheet if you don't need to um, and yes yeah, so, so we really believe that your bed is an expression of your own personal style and yeah the business has grown so much in the past um, four and a little bit years we've been really lucky with COVID um, obviously people are staying at home more focusing um, all their attention on um, making their spaces feel really much like a sanctuary so we've been um, really lucky to grow in such unprecedented times um, but having said that we've got a really great product offering and um, a really amazing incredible team I think we've got around 50 people that work with us at the moment which just blows my mind <laughs> um, but yeah we, we just really loving what we're doing every day. Oh, I absolutely love it, Hayley, and just your energy and your authenticity, you know, it's just so refreshing. And I can't wait to dive deeper into the business and into kind of what you guys are up to. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, my dad um, was a fireman and I remember he quit his job um, when I was around 10 or 11 and he wanted to start his own business. And I remember him coming home from work and sitting us kids down. I've got an older brother and a younger brother and he was like, look, I, I don't have a job because I'm going to start my own business. Things are going to be tough for a while, but it's really I'm doing this for the family and once it gets up and running, you know, we'll be able to run our own lives and work to our own schedules and um, I just remember, yeah, pitching in at a really young age. You know, he went from being a fireman to he started a consultancy firm that would go into buildings and train them to get out if there was a fire and my mum worked for him. She did all the fire plans and the manuals and then dad would go in and he'd light a fake fire and teach everyone how to put it out with a um, fire extinguisher and that sense of entrepreneurship and really writing your own path um, is something that I found really inspiring and I, I guess that's probably why I had no issues in um, pursuing kind of an entrepreneurship career because I, I saw that that worked out for my family. That's so cool that your dad was a fireman. <laughs> what? You always, you know, when you're younger, it's always like, oh, I want to be a doctor or I want to be like a fireman or a firewoman. Um, I remember my sister really wanted to be a firewoman. That was like her thing. Now she's a lawyer, so it didn't work out for her. But um, <laughs> I absolutely love that. I think, you know, in those early days when your dad was just, you know, being really 
open with you guys around, you know, it's going to be a bit tough in the early days. I guess as a child, you know, what was going through your mind during that time? And when you started to see the growth of that business, did it change your perception at all? And I guess, how do you think that shaped your decision to go off and study in fashion, et cetera, and and do what you do today? Do you think it played a role at all? Yeah, it did. I remember um, after that chat that dad had with us kids, um, me and my brothers kind of had a bit of a sidebar meeting and we're like, does this mean we're going to be poor? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, it it was really inspirational. And my parents were really great at kind of not putting any pressure on me to do anything. Like I just went to, um, you know, a really simple public school. And I even remember from a really young age, I think my mum had enrolled me into a gymnastic class for the whole season or whatever it was. And, you know, my parents aren't very well off at all. So that would have been a really big cost for her to pay for gymnastics. And I remember saying to mum, actually, I don't really want to do gymnastics. I don't really like it anymore. And I remember her saying like, look, we've paid for it, but if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it and we're not going to push you into it. And it was a really refreshing way to be, um, I guess, brought up. And I I have a lot of respect for them not pushing anything on me. I was, I was never, ever pressured to get good results or even right up to my year 12. Like no one in my family really questioned, you know, um, my results or my my drive in school and that kind of left it all up to me from a really young age it was on me if I wanted to use um year 12 as like a springboard to go into university or or whatever I wanted to study it wasn't through any pressure my parents were putting on me I needed to put that pressure on myself if that's what I needed um so yeah I do I really respect that about my parents and I think you know with kids of my own I Uh, that's something that I will really carry through in the way that I parent my kids. I was just about to say that, you know, would you do that with your children? And I think that's, I think that's just so beautiful of your parents. You know, I think a lot of us, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't that way. Definitely for me, it wasn't that way. (laughs) You know, what, what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who perhaps feel like they are being pressured into doing a certain career path or, you know, a certain job or whatever it may be. And perhaps they have a lot of fear to go against the grain and go against what their parents have said. You know, what advice would you give to us around finding that, you know, you're listening to yourself and being able to stand up for yourself, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to tell anyone to kind of stand up and revolt. Um, but it's, it's got to be something that you want to do. And I'm, I'm really passionate about, um, you know, living your own life and writing your own story. And I think that really does tie back into starting your own business. And, and, you know, what I saw in my parents was, that they could, you know, book heaps of clients, but then take a few weeks off. And, you know, why can't we live the, a lifestyle that's a hybrid with work and, and build that own, um, I guess, freedom into what you're doing every day? Um, you know, I, we've always had those jobs when you're, you know, 14, 15, 16, where it's like clock on, clock off, clock on, clock off. Um, and so the idea of that just really wasn't for me and, and not because I wanted to, I guess, 
work less. It was because I wanted to work more. I really love working. So I, I nine to five wasn't enough for me and I wanted to put in more, but I also wanted to get out more. So um, I guess advice for people who feel like they're being pushed down one way is, you know, imagine yourself in five or 10 years and is, is where you are, is on the path that you're on at the moment, actually taking you where you want to go. Um, those, those years where you're studying or, you know, even the um, first years of your career are so important. They, they're really just like your sponge years where you can, you know, take a smaller salary, but really just roll up your sleeves and get as much, um, experience as possible um you know even in my business today the retail experience that i had back when i was 14 or 15 is really paying off because you know we've got a retail store and we're looking to grow our retail footprint so i would say that um no matter what you end up doing all of those little pieces along the way um and those jobs that you have make such a difference to the type of um employee that you are eventually down the track and someone said to me once that you have on average like 35 jobs in your whole lifetime so like like use them and and explore different things like I was a rock climb instructor in America at one stage of my life (laughs) but um those skills that I learned across all different industries have really prepared me for entrepreneurship. And one of the hardest jobs I had was being um, a waitress. I mean, remembering like all the orders (laughs) across all these different tables, like God, I'd never be able to do that now. (laughs) But um, I guess that multitasking has really um, given me those skills that I need to use every day. So, so true. I absolutely love it. I want to dive a bit deeper into the story, Haley. You know, you mentioned that you were never pressured and that you just kind of chose to do what you did. You know, I saw that you studied, I think it was at RMIT University here in Melbourne, um, a certificate of clothing production and design and fashion design. Um, You know, what did that certificate what was that time like for you when you were kind of navigating straight out of school as you said no pressure from your parents and and then you kind of after that dived into a solid 10 year kind of career before you even went off to to do your business with stints in London and Canada can you talk to us a little bit about those early days at uni and then your desire to go off and get your hands dirty in the real world yeah, I mean, I'd love to say I went to uni. I tried to get in and I um, <laughs> didn't get a, a score high enough. Um, and so I went to TAFE instead. And th- that was so much better stu- better suited for me. I'm a very hands-on learner. And, you know, instead of doing um, some fancy schmancy design fashion course at Melbourne University, I was out in um, Brunswick in the RMIT TAFE. And it was so good. We had a day for every um, different discipline. So we did pattern making for a day. We did sewing for a day we did um, computer-aided design for a day and it was so hands-on and I really did love it Um, after a year I remember finishing um, TAFE and they said oh do you want to sign up for TAFE next year we take you through a whole process of starting a business from start um, and then you learn I guess um, how to design a range how to cost a range how you can bring it all together and then you sew the range and you present it at the end of the class and I was like oh why don't I just do that in the real world like why am I why would I pay <laughs> uni fees or TAFE fees to um, I guess test this out if I could actually just do that in the real world and so I dropped out and I and I did just that um 
I designed my own collection. It was a collection of four dresses. Um, I sold them into a store similar to like a glue store at the moment. Um, back in the day, this is about 10 years ago. Um, and I stuffed everything up along the way. Like I didn't manage my cash flow. Um, you know, I, I didn't source my materials properly. I got them made locally, which was really expensive. Um, so I lost a lot of money on it. Um, the dresses sold out within a week. I think they ordered 50. And then when they sold out, they were like, can we have 200 more? And I'm like, nah. This is not for me. <laughs> but I learned <laughs> but I learned so much about doing it um on your own. Like I think I learned more than I would have learned in that whole year in, you know, three or four months doing it on my own. So that to me, um, that practical learning and that um I guess grit of doing it um in a more meaningful way was something that I needed to educate myself on. Um, so yeah, I'm a big advocate for just going out there and giving it a go and, you know, obviously a little bit of training behind you. And I wish I had done a little bit more, um, accounting or finance training before going into that experience. But yeah, I learned a lot along the way. And, um, that kind of led me to, I guess, want to explore the world, um, a little bit further. And that's, I guess, where we, um, traveled to uh, London. I worked in London for a few years for Ted Baker. And, um, you know, we traveled to Canada and we bought a car in Canada and then we drove it all the way to Panama. So through the US and Mexico, all through Central America. And I'm just such a big, huge advocate for travel being so important to really learn those skills that you can carry right through into business. I mean, what better opportunity to learn how to hustle than showing up in a new town, you don't know the language, you don't really have any cash, you need to make friends right away, so you need really good communication skills. Um, it, it really teaches you a lot um, and I found those skills really valuable when starting my business as well. You know, cash is obviously really tight. You need to be able to communicate with people and you need to, um, yeah, get people speaking your language. So I found those skills traveling really, really important to um, the entrepreneurship journey that I'm on now. How can we gain the courage to go out there and do it? You know, what you did was massively courageous. You could have just gone to continue on with TAFE and, and you know, in a safe environment and, and started that business. But instead, you were just like, stuff it, I'll do it on my own. Like, that takes courage. You know, how can we cultivate that? I think for me, my courage comes from will I regret this if I don't just give it a go and what would be the worst thing that happened? And, you know, the example I spoke about in my um, own version of TAFE, um, really I lost like a couple of thousand dollars, I guess, and, you know, I probably did everything wrong, but I'm still here. I learned so much. So for me, the the risk of, you know, missing out or never knowing is higher than the risk of giving it a go and that's that's what drives my courage how can we get clearer on our own risk position or how we our relationship with risk you know for you it seems super clear it's like well I'd rather just like not have the regret and actually do it and I've got a certain tolerance of risk I'm happy to deal with you know for those of us who feel a bit confused and perhaps are just scared like it's scary going out there and trying something a little bit different even if it is just like a change in career path you know how can we get clearer on our relationship with risk our risk tolerance 
I think you've got to weigh up your risk with your passion too. You know, if you see it, it it's risky, will you be willing to put in the hard yards um, to mitigate that risk? And if you've got a really healthy mix of risk and passion, then I feel like that will really fuel the fire. So if it's something that you're passionate about, then I feel like it's worth the risk. Mm, couldn't agree more. I love it. So, you know, you're traveling across the world, you're doing it all, it's all happening, you're learning the basics, you're hustling, the fundamentals of entrepreneurship. You know, at what point during that time did you feel like, you know what, it's time for me to write a new chapter and come home and see what I'm going to do? You know, I saw that the last job before you started the business was, I think it was at Tiger Mist, um, which you were there for a couple of years. You know, can you talk to us a little bit about that time there, the travel and then the decision to come back home and, and really get your hands dirty again? Yeah, well, I met my husband. Um, he's English. So I met him um, in Australia. So the reason for travel was that we kind of moved to London together and um, wanted to see the world while we were young and in love. Um, and we always wanted to come back to Australia um, to set up our life. And that's kind of why we came back. And I was really lucky to have fell into the role at Tiger Mist. Um I was living at home with my parents and um, Tiger Miss was based out of um, Eltham in the suburbs and those, the girls that started that business were kind of friends of the area and so I kind of knew them and I joined the team with them when there were around three or four people and then by the time I left, I think there were around 60 um, employees. So I really got, um, I guess, a front row seat to starting up and, and growing a business. So um I got to a stage at Tiger Miss where I was like, okay, I've really helped these girls grow this business and it's something I'm really proud of and, um, you know, what if I could do this on my own and what um, what if I should give it a go? And I think that came from me always working with Tiger Mist and approaching every day as if I had a say or if it was my money on the line or, um, you know, the collections that we were designing, you know, I've got my name to them as well. So um, I think that was a really good way to start, to to just work for a company and think, okay, am I approaching this as if it was my business? So, so interesting, so valuable. So let's talk about the Sheet Society. You know, you alluded to it before, but remind us, where did the idea for the Sheet Society come about? And what were those first few steps that you took to really get it off the ground? I think it was early 2017 when you started the business. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we conceptualized the business um, only six months before we launched. That's so a really quick mm-hmm. timeline from, I guess, idea to execution. Um, the, I guess the real divider of, you know, decision point of what I was going to do with my life was we'd just got married. Um, I had vouchers to spend at a department store and I wanted to get a um, new set of sheets. And it seems like a really good wedding present. So I remember going in, um, I'm not going to name the store, but a big department store um, and shopping around the sheet section. And, you know, there are all these like sweaty blocks of fabric that come wrapped in plastic with like a really daggy photo on the front of it. And I just, couldn't find anything that I liked and so I settled for this like what I thought was quite a neutral color 
um, I got it home, I unwrapped it, and it had like neon orange piping oh. all the way around it with these like fluffy stitch lines and it just felt really crunchy and I was like, oh, I'm so disappointed. I'd spent like 500 bucks on this. What oh, <laughs> oh, It was awful and I was like, cool, I've unwrapped it. I'm never going to fit it back into this sweaty plastic bag. So I'm stuck with it and I had to sleep in that. I'd spent eight hours a night in it because I couldn't afford to buy a replacement. And I just couldn't understand how that experience was so different to if I want to buy a new outfit. I can touch and feel the clothes that are on the rack. I can literally take it into the change room, take all of my own clothes off and put this (laughs) item of clothing on that I haven't paid for yet. (laughs) And I just thought these experiences are so different. Um, how can we merge the two? Um, so I guess that was probably the starting point. And having a background in fabrics, I really understood what I wanted the sheets to feel like. I was 100% sure that they needed to be made of natural fibres. Um, I really wanted to start with a cotton range. I love the way cotton feels um, in your wardrobe, you know, your favourite cotton T-shirt. Even the way your um, favorite cotton pair of jeans feels after, you know, six months, they kind of mold to you. And I really wanted to emulate that feeling in the bedroom. Um, I wanted to bring in, I guess, more fashionable colors. Um, when we launched the business, it was around about the time that that millennial blush pink was really popular and that just wasn't anywhere. <laughs> I have that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that just wa- Classic millennial. Yeah, it's so good Sorry. though. And no one had that for the bedroom. They were all just like beige and white and gray and, you know, I wanted that color everywhere. I wanted to wear that color, but I also wanted to sleep in that color. And um, so that's, I guess, yeah, where the idea started. And um, I found it really hard to articulate my thoughts and I wasn't really great at writing a business plan. And and for me, the brand is really visual. It's, um, you know, mixing and matching your bed. It's around the feeling. It's around the models we use and the types of beds that we're showing. We're not showing you beds that are just perfectly made. We're showing you beds that have lived in. We're showing you dogs on the bed, pizza in bed, Netflix in bed. And I felt like no one was really marketing beds in that way. Um, So I knew that I had an idea um, and it wasn't until I was able to, I guess, get the range designed and then shoot the range and then build out my Instagram that I kind of showed everyone. I'm like, this is what I mean, bed sheets, but cool bed sheets. And everyone's like, I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) So for me in the early days, it was just really sheer determination um, to just try and get, I guess, what was in my head out on paper and get everyone on board. How can we get clear on what that vision is? You know, how can we get clear on what's in our head and just actually execute on it? You know, how do we do that? It's a really interesting one and it depends on, I guess, how you communicate your ideas. Like some people are writers and some people um, are drawers and some people like photographs. I think there's some really great tools out there where you can, um, you know, create Canva um, boards or, you know, good old Tumblr or Pinterest or Instagram, I think um, for as a visual person myself, um, creating my own visuals was the, the best way for me to get clear on what I was all about. That's so amazing. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, those struggles in the early days, you know, business? <laughs> People might look at your 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 business, Haley, and think, oh my goodness, like she's an absolute genius. Look at her, go and like you are, but also must have been so easy. You know, she must be talented. Could you talk to us a little bit about some of the greatest challenges you faced in those first few years? 
oh, everything was challenging. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, finding a supplier that would work with my small orders and, um, you know, sending out orders every day and getting traction in terms of marketing and managing cash flow. And um, it, it does take a long time. And I think that word traction is really important because, you know, even if I was kind of doing everything right for the first six months or nine months, um, until you start getting that momentum, it, it feels quite relentless. Um, and it's hard. I found it really hard in the early days knowing what to focus on. And I would go to kind of like meetups and I, people would say, you know, email marketing is the way of the future. You need to build an email list and market to them. And I was like, right, okay, I've got to do that. And I would spend a couple of weeks on that and that wouldn't work. And I was like, okay, what's another strategy? And I'd be like, okay, Google AdWords. Let's kind of give that a go. And okay, cool. I need to find influencers. Maybe I'll spend two weeks on that. And it was just pivoting and trying heaps of things um, and finding out what worked for me and what got the most cut through and then um, finding a perfect mix of marketing messages. And, you know, we talk about the colour and the style and then, but we also have um, innovative features like our invisible zipper and our elastic. So merging the two and, and figuring out who our audience was, was really difficult. You know, everyone has a bed so everyone can buy our product, but marketing to everyone isn't necessarily that easy. (laughs) So it's really honing in on like who our demographic is and what type of photos do they want to see from us? um, What kind of information do they want to know when they get to our website? So I would say it was quite relentless for the first couple of years um, and just giving everything a go and, and trying to approach every day with a positive outlook too. I would get to the end of the day and I'd be like, cool, well, I haven't made any sales today, but I guess I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> um, because I guess growth comes from energy and just you've really got to um, just start the day full of energy, even though you had a shit one yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so hard though, Hayley. Oh my God. Yeah. When you're not uh, making no. no sales, like, you know, and you're just like, mm. I've poured everything into it, my soul, my heart, my energy, my money, you know. Yeah. How do we how do we keep going when we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? It's where your passion kicks in. And I think you spoke about that earlier. Um, if, if you're so dedicated and, and, you know, you've got that feeling of like, Hey, I've got something here. Um, that to me kept me going. And, and that was the light at the end of the tunnel. And you've got to pick the little bits of light. Like even if it's a tiny bit of light where you get like, you know, a few more likes on that photo than the one that you did yesterday, that that is traction. And, you know, those few more will turn into a few more and a few more. And I think that's why they say, um, you know, nothing's an overnight success because it does need that ramp up stage where things can keep growing. And when did you feel like, that ramp up really started to happen for you guys. You know, was there a point where you just thought, wow, it's actually working out? Like finally, you know, when did that happen? And I guess what was that like and what was your mindset like at that time? Do you know what? It was a really interesting time in my life because I had launched a business and it had been going for a couple of years and I fell pregnant. And I was like, how the hell am I going to find anyone to cover me on maternity leave? (laughs) (laughs) And so I was looking around for someone who would like really care about the business as much as I would and, um, you know, have a diverse range of skill sets and my husband said, like, I don't know everything that you do, but I certainly love the business. And um, he'd been working a lot with me um, anyway on the financial side of things. Um, and so he said, well, why don't 
I quit my job and I'll look after the business while you're on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sounds really strange, um, that my business really kicked off when I left the business. Um, I'd put in a lot of things into place before I left. And, you know, there's nothing like a deadline of a baby to really get you cracking. (laughs) Um, And so I, um, had been saying to him for ages, you know, I need to hire someone. I need to hire someone. I really need help. Like I can't, you know, be packing orders in the morning and working on strategy in the afternoon. It's such a mental shift. I just, I cannot do it. And he kept saying, well, you don't have enough money to hire anyone, so suck it up. And then when he joined the business, he was like, hey, we really need to hire someone. (laughs) um, You don't say. (laughs) So then he realised that and, you know, we took on a few more people and, yeah, it really just grew and grew and grew from there. It sounds a bit strange. Me, It took me leaving the business for it to really kick off into its own thing. And, you know, obviously I've, I've come back and I've, I've since had another child. Um, but that letting go, and I think it was a really good mental shift for me because in my mind I, I left a startup and I came back to a small business and, and things had changed and, you know, we weren't kind of um, rough and ready anymore. We weren't just hustling. We were actually humming. So that was a really pivotal time for me. So I'm actually such a big advocate for maternity leave being such a positive in business. Um, You know, people, you know, maybe look at it quite negatively. You know, you're leaving the business and now you've got this other focus. But for me, um, it gave me another purpose in life. Um, You know, I'm really, really productive at work um, because I need to go and get my kids. And my kids really um, fill my cup and that makes me more productive at work. Oh, I absolutely love it, Haley. And I think you just hear, I mean, definitely as a woman that runs a business, like, you know, it's, it can be scary, the thought of that, you know, what's going to happen? Is everything going to fall apart? What, you know, it's so cool to hear that for you, it was just such a positive experience and your ability to be able to juggle, even if it isn't always perfect, you know, be able to juggle the two. It's just super admirable. So, yeah. Amazing. Oh my goodness. We could talk for days. I'm just absolutely loving this. <laughs> I am mindful of your time. Okay. So I guess a question I wanted to ask around what you just mentioned was how can we get better at that surrendering pace? You know, when it is our baby, you know, our business is our baby. How can we get better at surrendering and just going with the flow? That's a really tough question. For me, it's about being honest. We've luckily brought in a lot of people into the business that are really, really, really highly skilled at what they do. Um, and I'm lucky that none of us in the business have an ego. So if someone comes in and says, Hey, you know, I've got an idea to do this. I'm like, cool. You've got more experience in that than I do. Run along and you'll do a much better job with that. So, um, I don't know. Surrendering is is about being honest about, um, you know, what you need to, I guess, balance the two. When you're getting clear on that and perhaps, you know, you're strapped for cash and you're like, oh my goodness, like sales maybe are coming through. You're just not sure if you can afford a hire. You're just not sure how to navigate through that time. You know, how can we surrender to the fact or perhaps put ourselves out there when it feels uncomfortable, but we know we almost need to do it? if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and that's again about being honest and um mm. and and getting advice from people that have done it before. I mean, we're in e-commerce and the community out there of people with e-commerce businesses that are more than willing to help you is just incredible. So I'm really lucky to have a great network of peers in that space. And I guess yeah, surrendering maybe you need to know. Um, I don't know. It's a really interesting question. I I don't think I have the answer um, because I feel like. If you're ever not sure or you're ever questioning it, you probably just need to have a sit down with yourself and say, hey, do I want this? What are the pros? What are the cons? Um, who can help me with this decision? And talk it out. And then, um, you know, if I'm ever in a situation like that with any one of our team, I can sit them down and have a really honest conversation. Hey, this campaign hasn't really worked. Um, why do we think this has worked? I'm not blaming anyone, but what can we do better? Um, we're, we're a really collaborative workplace. And I think um, that means that the burden of surrendering isn't just on one person. We're a team. And so we, we all go at it together. And I'm lucky to have my husband as my business partner in that sense. And, you know, we're very similar. Obviously, we're married, so we get along, but we're very different at work, um, are very opposite skill sets. So we're able to have um, a conversation from both sides of the brain. You know, is this strategic or is this creative? And um, what is the best outcome here? So, so valuable. Amazing. Haley. I've got a couple final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I was thinking about this failure and I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that I could name one failure. Like we've had little things that have gone wrong, but like nothing really big has stuffed up. And from every failure, we've really learned from it. So I don't look back and think, oh God, we really failed. I, I look at points in our timeline that I've seen and I can say, oh, cool. We made the wrong decision, but we learned from that. And now we make really great decisions whenever we think about that. So. It, it sounds quite cheesy, but I think we don't have any huge failures and I'm such a huge believer of everything happens for a reason. So um, even if they are failures, to me, they're kind of just course corrections. I love that. And your greatest win? Um, for me, it's probably the culture of um, the environment that we've created at the Sheet Society. Um, and that's like our internal culture, like the team and the staff that we have at the moment, they're just all absolute legends. Um, I love them all so dearly. Um, and then the culture of the um, people that we have shopping with our brand, um, they're all so passionate. You know, we're over 5,000 five-star reviews on our website and people really love the product that we're making. Um, and, you know, as a product person in my heart, that makes me so, so happy, you know, from um, for them to get into the bed at the end of the night and snuggle up in our sheets and think, hey, I love being here. This is great. How good are these sheets? But that just makes me really proud. Oh, I absolutely love it. Look, Hayley, over the last four years, just over four years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work. Most notably, you listed as number eight on this year's top 50 people in e-commerce here in Oz. What are three key pieces of advice that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Um, I think 
you don't have to know all the answers. Um, and I really thought going into starting my business, I needed to be an expert across the whole field. And you just don't. You need to know when to ask the right questions um, and be willing to accept um, people's advice and feedback along the way. And um, I, I really thought being a leader of a business like ours, I, I would have to be, you know, the the shining light of how to do things correctly. And I felt a lot of pressure to be that person that everyone looks up to. But at the end of the day, I'm just myself. And 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 I think people appreciate that even more because I'm not trying to put on a front. And, you know, I can go into a meeting and say, I don't I don't know the answer to this, but let's all figure it out together. So um that's probably my main piece of advice. You don't have to know everything to get very far. Oh, I love it. Look, Hayley, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for showing us, you know, and particularly us young, ambitious women that if we have that dream and that goal and that vision, we actually can go out there and turn that into our reality. So for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? It sounds cliche, but when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. (laughs) And that is just so true. Like I would still be going into the office even if like I didn't get paid or I didn't own this and it it makes life just feel like you're actually living it you know you're not a slave to anything and you don't have to clock on and clock off like you actually want to be there and want to be around it and I just feel so grateful for that you know this is exactly the life that I want to live and and that freedom that I've got so yeah that's worth it all and and sometimes it's shit um, and sometimes it's great <laughs> but the um freedom to be able to really love what you do um is just so valuable I just don't think that you can um underappreciate that and you know we've all had those days where you're like oh I just cannot be bothered going into work today um but there is a life out there for for people that is, you know, every day I can't wait to get into work today and I wouldn't settle for anything else. <laughs> yes, Hayley, I'm getting all the feels. Oh, my goodness. Hayley, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, thank you. We've had an absolute blast. Where can we m- learn more about you and the Sheet Society? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you want to look me up, I'm just Hayley Worley and I'm more than happy to chat to anyone at all. So slide into my messages. Um, and then the sheetsociety.com.au. Yay. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers. We're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion 
And it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.